In the name of Jesus, amen. The peanut gallery. You probably know what a peanut gallery is, perhaps even been accused of being a participant in a peanut gallery uh, time and again. That's enough commentary from the peanut gallery. If you don't know where the, the phrase comes from, you can probably guess fairly easily. Wikipedia says it comes from the, the vaudeville area or, uh, era first in France, and then otherwise the peanut gallery was the cheap seats way in the back, uh, where because they were the most uh, inexpensive snacks, well, people ate, ate peanuts. And then perhaps because they lacked some of the decorum, weren't quite as couth as the folks who sat in the expensive seats and ate whatever it is you eat there. Uh, they were known for, uh, for calling out things, for asking questions at, uh, at inappropriate times, for example, like in the middle of a play. So, the peanut gallery. The peanut gallery. When you read through the Gospels, uh, maybe the Gospel of Luke more than any of the others, it seems that Jesus uh, kind of carried with him <laughs> something of a a peanut gallery as he went around. Sometimes they're called the crowd. Uh, other places it's just they. And in our text for today, it's some. Some people said. No telling really how big this peanut gallery was, exactly who they were. We're not, we're not told, but whoever they were, like the vaudevillians in the cheap seats, they bark out things time and again, just kind of unasked for, maybe even things that aren't quite appropriate. So if we were to look back a chapter before our reading came up, uh, there's someone from the peanut gallery who wants to enlist Jesus as his personal estate lawyer and says, hey, Jesus, will you tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me? Not exactly the proper thing to ask someone like, like Jesus. Maybe others were thinking of the same things. I have some, some personal familial issues too, but it's the, the peanut gallery ones, the ones who maybe don't know better, they're bold, and maybe it's rude, who just say these things out loud that maybe kind of everyone else is thinking as well. And so the question, the question the peanut gallery tosses out at Jesus today it's one of those questions that everyone has the opportunity to ask internally, maybe even is kind of asking internally, only once in a while, maybe when forced by circumstances, does it come to the surface. Those Galileans, those whose blood Pilate mixed with their sacrifices, that is the ones who were doing the very things that God had asked them to do, but who are slaughtered in the middle of it. Seemingly good folks. What's up with that, Jesus? You know, Pilate and sacrifices and stuff might be uh, distant from us, but it's not difficult at all. Not difficult at all to come up with similar scenarios. What about those parents whose child? What about that child whose parent? What about Ukraine? <laughs> or that, that guy, stand up, fella. Sick. Why, why him? Folks seemingly stand up, folks. Just going about their business and then whammo. What's up with that, Jesus? 
Now, if you know anything about Jesus' questions, and you probably do because I bring it up almost every time, in a sermon, whenever anyone asks Jesus a question, you know that Jesus never, never answers the question just straight up, but he always sleuths out the question beneath the question, and so he does here. He knows what they're thinking. They're thinking that those seemingly stand-up folks were only seemingly so, and so this must be some sort of punishment from God. So, Jesus, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than they all the others because they suffered in this way. And I suppose that's a direction we might go as well, at least at least sometimes. Maybe not immediately or maybe so starkly. But, but look to put the blame somewhere along the way. You hear someone gets sick. Maybe it's cancer or maybe these days it's, it's COVID. And you might not say these things out loud, but in, in certain company, at least they, they come into your, your mind. Maybe you kind of say them under their breath. Well, it's like, uh, well, uh, I think she was a smoker. Or, or you know, that <laughs> he, was, he, was kind of, he was kind of on the, kind of on the heavy side. Oh, it kind of makes sense when you know these sorts of things. Or or a young person ends up getting into some trouble and end up in rehab or something like that. And you say, maybe in certain company, well, they seemed like a good family, but, you know, who who knows what goes on behind closed doors does make you wonder. Again, we might not go all peanut gallery and start shouting these things out in public, but they are there in our hearts or under our breath. Or maybe you don't go that direction. Uh, Maybe things have changed from from Jesus' time directly to this quid pro quo, and it's so easy. Maybe instead of uh, looking at a particular person to blame, maybe we go macro. Maybe we go macro. Those folks um, slaughtered by Pilate in the tower, the people who came to Jesus were thinking they had done something themselves wrong. But but maybe we go bigger and blame it on uh, a bigger institution. It's the government's fault. Or maybe it's uh, it's, uh, a... Big government or little government or, or, or big pharma or it's, uh, it's taking prayer out of schools or, or maybe it's systemic racism or something like that. We got all our different explanations when something hits the fan, whenever or whomever, we grasp after something. That's the reason. Her fault, his fault, that's why it happened. Now, when the peanut gallery came to Jesus, Jesus looked at the question beneath the question, sleuthed out what they were really asking and answered that. But I want to go one step further. I'm going to out Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) And ask why it is, why it is we demand that explanation in the first place. Why is it this this compulsion, this need to have a, a, a why? We have to have someone, something to blame. It's ugly to blame people for the horrible misfortunes, but why in the first place do we need to have the explanation? (laughs) Uh, uh, It came to me the other day while watching TV that maybe it has something to do, something related, that, for example, I know that when on April 29th, the next six episodes of Ozark come out on Netflix, that I'm going to watch all six in a row. And the reason I'm going to do that is because every episode is going to end with this cliffhanger of sorts, and that little thing is going to come up in the bottom right in three, two, one seconds, and there I am. I'm going to have to watch that next one because I just cannot stand the idea of all these loose ends being left untied. I need the finality. 
We, we, we crave the, uh, the causal chain. In the end, I, I, think it's, I think it's a certain kind of control we look after. A sense of certainty. If I know why this happened, even if it's horrible, at least I'm somehow in control. I've got it all, all figured out. Or maybe if I know why it happened, I can make sure, well, at least if I do that or don't do that, then it won't happen to me and I'll somehow be safe. It reminds me of this story about some classical composer. I can't remember which one it is. Maybe it's Beethoven that can be, be corrected. How his friends would, would play this trick on him, that they'd play a song that the end didn't resolve correctly. So for us, it'd be something like um, this stuff. And they'd leave it. And poor Ludwig would have to come running down the stairs because he couldn't sleep until he played the last note of the song. We have to have the last note. We have to have the, the explanation. We'll grasp at anything willy-nilly so we can sleep at night, even if coming up with an explanation pushes us in a horrible direction. God needed another angel for some foolishness like that. What does Jesus say to this? Repent. <laughs> he says repent, and I'm sure that somewhere in there is a kind of repentance to these folks that came to him. It was like a wake up. You have plenty of skeletons yourself, plenty of things for which you could be blamed, for which you could be punished. So wake up, get right with God, or something similar will happen to you. But there's more than that. You've probably heard before this word repent. It literally means to, to change your mind. Or it can even mean to turn around from looking at one thing to looking at another. And I really think that at, at base, at bottom, that's what Jesus is saying when he says repent. Repent. Turn from this need, from this compulsion, this demand to have explanations for everything. Repent of that particular way of being in control. Repent of that. Turn away from that or you'll perish. It will grind you down. You will never sleep at night. The explanation won't come, and it will destroy you. Jesus is saying horrific things happen. Pilots slaughter, towers fall, Ukraine's erupts, diseases, viruses, accidents, overdoses, earthquakes, and tsunamis. Why? Jesus responds, Who? I'll tell you who. That's what we get. Who? Instead of an answer, Jesus gives us himself. Instead of completion, he gives us compassion. Instead of the meaning of it all, he gives us mercy through it all. Instead of finality, he gives us what? Forgiveness? He gives us forever? <laughs> We have all these whys. He says, no, not answer that, but I give you a who. In fact, I think that might be an explanation of Jesus' whole ministry. What he's doing, Jesus comes into this world filled with all these crazy whys, dark whys, big whys, ugly whys, and says, I must give you a who, which is so big and so large and so gracious that I can swallow up all those whys. It's the second part of our, our text. So they, they give this thing, repent of that, repent. You're not going to get the explanation. You're not going to get the whys, but I'll give you a who. And what is this who like? 
He's like a who who comes upon this poor woman, 18 years, crooked, disabling spirit. Who knows the pain she has gone through? Perhaps the biggest pain of all is had to listen to people on their breath saying, well, I think her mother smoked while she was pregnant. Or her dad dropped her on her head. Or she never did really eat right. Or she's a little overweight. Or she lived near power lines or something like that. Jesus cuts through all of that. He comes right to her and says, woman, be healed of your disability. And she's healed. Or more of the who, we get this odd parable, a fig tree. These people come worrying, wondering about these poor folks who got swooshed by a tower, or slaughtered by a, 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 a pilot, and, and Jesus gives them a fig tree? It's because it's a beautiful parable about the who. You're the fig tree, by the way. You're the beautiful fig tree. Or, or heck, since we had a beautiful fig tree planted... In God's grove of fig trees today, we named her, she is named Julia. We'll talk about Julia. Oh, there she is. <laughs> right on cue, my goodness. <laughs> Julia, this beautiful fig tree planted in God's grove, which God will and have a wonderful, beautiful life ahead of her. We know she'll also have plenty of wives. Fruit will dry up. The fruit of those around her will dry up. There were people tempting her to, to throw in the towel and just give up. Uh, it's done with this fig tree. What kind of vine dresser do we have? It's just a beautiful story. <laughs> the owner of the vineyard, whoever that is, says, let's get rid of this tree. But the vine dresser comes and says, one more year. Let me love it one more year. Let me feed it one more year. Let me point it to God's graciousness and forgiveness one more year. Let me wrap my arms around it one more year. And if it doesn't bear fruit, well, then you can see. And you know what happens one more year when, when, when that doesn't uh, occur? He says the same thing. You know what Phoenix does? Sorry, he's right here. I can talk to him. When he, when he says, uh, 15 more minutes, Dad. I just got to finish this one game in 15 more minutes and I'll go to bed. What happens after 15 minutes? What does he say? What do you say, Phoenix? 15 more minutes. <laughs> and then 15 more minutes. And then 15 more minutes. And because I'm such a gracious vine dresser, I say, okay, another 15 minutes. Another. What a God we have. What a vine dress, a little fig like Julia has, one who over and over and over again will say more time, more time, more love, more graciousness, more forgiveness, more hope, more Jesus. We have lots of whys. Given the world and its brokenness, Julia and the rest of us, uh, Julia will have whys that we haven't even imagined yet. We all get our whys. Do we all get answers? No. To the biggest ones, probably not. What do we get instead? We get a great big who. We get a who who is bigger than all the wise. We get the who who is the never tiring vine dresser. We get the who who is Jesus. Instead of all the answers, we get all of Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.